Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone and welcome to another another spoiler review episode of what if from the geek buddies hey! Hey! we're gonna get in today uh, we're gonna get into this episode four of the first season of what if it is called what if dr strange lost his heart instead of his hands uh really deep exploration of the battle with loss the what can happen to you and what different paths you can walk and where it can lead to when you lose someone you deeply love in your life this is i i have to say overall this might be my favorite episode so far of what if because of the philosophical concepts and the emotional concepts that are tackled in this particular episode with dr strange dealing with the loss of Christine and everybody, yeah, everybody's back from the Doctor Strange uh, film. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, Benedict Wong, uh, uh, Tilda Swinton playing their respective characters throughout this. And it was a heck of an episode that I thoroughly enjoyed. We're going to break it all down step by step. Just once again, this is a spoiler review. This is your last warning before we get, oh, this is your second to last warning before we get into breaking down section by section. Mike, I'll start with you. Brother, tell me, how did you feel about this episode? Uh, this episode was great. I loved it. Uh, I, I see amongst our friends, as we've been discussing it, it's pretty split. I know some people didn't yeah, really oh. enjoy it. Some people really loved it. I loved this episode with the single exception of the concept of uh, absolute points in history, which I find problematic given that we are in a multiverse, but we'll dive into that when we get there. But other than that one thing, okay, um, oh, I, I, I don't think that it... Uh, <laughs> I don't think that uh, it it surpassed the T'Challa episode for me. I think that's still okay. my favorite. But I think this is my number two. I think the animation in this episode oh, is yeah. stunning. It was spectacular. Uh, the ma- the animation, um, the effects around the magic, all of the different creatures, uh, the battle between Stranges, the battle between Capes. Like it was just amazing and to your point i think probably this was absolutely the most emotionally affecting show because to your it really does deal with the different stages of grief and loss yeah yeah the paths we can walk down uh shannon um how did this one uh, affect you and touch you know you we've talked about it on the show a number of times so recently with the the uh, the loss that you had did this one kind of touch you and affect you as you were watching uh stephen strange battle with the two sides of himself throughout this uh, latter half of the episode. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this one. I do share the same uh, uh, issue that Vogel pointed out, because it's like, well, that's not, that doesn't actually apply based off of the movies. Um, that being said, to me, this was also the most complete story mm. um, of everything that we've gotten thus far. Like the yeah. rest of them, and as much as, you know, I love, I love the first two. I thought the third one was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but this one is like, this actually could have been a two-hour movie for me. Um, 
based just off of like everything that he has to go yeah. and sort of re relearn or or the the uh, absorption of of the other characters um yeah man i mean this i think this has some of the best uh uh score work from Laura mm. Cartman i mean the whole uh, the so many so many sections of this uh score for this episode I'll be going to iTunes and 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 purchasing. Yeah, I really really enjoyed this one. The, the the great thing with what if thus far is they're all so different. Yeah. Um one is definitely very bittersweet. Two is so much fun. Three is just like that murder mystery. And this one, I mean, I think Jeffrey Wright even says it at the beginning of the episode. Um, what if you make the wrong choice yeah. and we get to see how that plays out? He even says it at the end of the episode. One choice yeah. can make all the difference overall in your world. I think this is the episode that was most like the what if comics. The what if comic line was darker. Uh, it was a lot darker than people uh, remember. And when you go back and read some of them, they're pretty dark in how they view what could have happened in a lot of the stories that they talk about or portray in what if so i like that this one kind of captured the spirit the most of what i remember when i used to read those as a younger kid uh and going through the darkness of what can happen uh in, in that it isn't elseworlds where it's a fun exploration what if sometimes could be really dark mike yeah what you say? uh no i think the other thing that you can't uh we can't avoid talking about with this episode yeah. is that Perhaps this episode has a lot to do with Spider-Man No Way Home. Perhaps it has nothing to do with Spider-Man No Way Home. But because Doctor Strange is in this episode, obviously. Doctor Strange is in No Way Home. Uh, this episode deals with Doctor Strange trying to go back and change something in the timeline. Right. No Way Home deals with Doctor Strange going back and changing something in the timeline. Yeah. And given some of the things that we've seen in the trailers and some of the things that are said in the No Way Home trailer about living two different lives and everything else, there is a lot of conjecture online. Uh, not only the idea that the Doctor Strange that we're seeing in the trailer might perhaps be something like this Doctor Strange that we see at yeah. the end of What If, but also that what we might be dealing with uh, as far as absolute points, changing history, messing up the timeline, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that could happen. I would be shocked if this What If episode was a prerequisite for seeing No Way Home. That would be a, a huge leap. But, uh, but I think that as I was watching it, things were happening and I was like, is, are we going to get absolute points in uh, No Way Home? Uh, maybe this is something I should pay attention to. So I don't know. So just I think I don't know that we will or we won't, but it's definitely something that crossed my mind several times as I was watching the episode. I, I'm in the same camp with you, brother. I felt the same way. And the timing of it can't be a coincidence that they dropped the trailer or, quote, unquote, somebody leaked the trailer and then they dropped the actual trailer right before this episode came out. There's no way there. I just don't think that there isn't some kind of preparation of the MCU audience for what they might be getting in Spider-Man here. And and Kevin Feige said it's going to be essential to watch all the MCU stuff to understand everywhere they're going. So it isn't like, oh, the books are over here. And if you want to read the comics, they're saying if the TV shows are out, it does connect up to the overall larger MCU. Yeah. So it's up to you to find them and watch them. So I think they do find that. Uh, I think they do have some kind of attachments here. And also don't forget, Michael and Shannon also... Always listen to Wong. Yet again, always listen to Wong, for God's sakes, especially when he's putting the kettle on and you're sitting there with the eye of Agamotto. Don't do it. Don't do it. So, All right, we're going to get into it. We're going to break this whole thing down. Final spoiler warning. We're going to take it into in three separate chunks. That's how we're going to do this episode because there is a lot that happens, but we're going to talk about it all as we go along. All right, this one is written by AC Bradley again, who is, of course, the overall uh, creative on this one and directed by Brian Edwards. All right, as we start out, Doctor Strange is picking up Christine. Uh, she, he's promised her some creme brulee, uh, and he practices his speech in the car that he's going to give to the Neurological Society, I believe. This is very similar to the movie, except that he's way more of a dick in the movie. And I don't think Christine's in the car. Obviously, she's on speakerphone, so it's a different situation here. Uh, they are celebrating that he performed a radical hemispherectomy. I hope I said that right. Uh, maybe your dad can correct me, Michael. Hemispherectomy, I think that's right. <laughs> Uh, but they seem very much in love, Stephen. And then Stephen veers out from behind a truck and is almost hit by a car, but gains control of it. Then they're hit from behind, and Christine is killed in the accident. The Watcher tells us he lost, not that's strange, not lost not his hands, but his heart, and, his, and he starts to search for answers across the world, ends up in the mystic art, so very similar to the Doctor Strange movie. We see him learning about the Eye of Agamotto. We see the apple scene again. 
Wong shows up with the Ancient One who warns him not to mess with time and then the Ancient One dies. So we get a little like a groundwork of what's going on here. We see him defeat Dormammu again, just like in the movie, but he can't seem to let go of the past and he is sitting out uh, there in the rain uh, and Wong walks up to them. Uh, it's the two year anniversary of her death. Strange is using the Eye of, or messing with the Eye of Agamotto. He says, you know what? Let me put the kettle on before you do something ridiculous. But then he uses it. He reverses time. He goes back to picking Christine up on that night two years ago and starts to repeat all the same beats, except they're even happier. Then he's hit from behind again, and Christine dies again. He brings them back again, and this time takes a different route, but she dies again and again and again. He's essentially stuck in a time loop uh, the worst Groundhog Day ever, and he's devastated that he's not allowed to be happy with her. And after the last time that she drives and still dies, he goes out there and does the classic no scream into the sky. Uh, Michael, what did you think about this opening up until this point? Uh, really, really great stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, I do love that. You know, the key difference here is we know, you know, if you watch Doctor Strange, uh, he does ask uh, Christine to go with him to his speech. And she says no. She's like, "Uh," and he's like, what? They loved us. And she's like, "Mm, they were all about you. I'm not going to go. So the key difference here is that in this reality, in this multiverse, she does go with him. Um, And I like that. And they did this a lot. I mean, throughout like him going to Carmitage and everything that happened, like they really did show you how it really does sync up exactly with the movie. I mean, even in the car accident, when it happens the car lands in the exact same position that it does in the movie. So there's a lot of really, really fun stuff uh, as far as setting all of that up. I think that um, the other part that I really enjoyed was just the animation, the character animation in general. Mm. I think that, you know, they've been, they've been hit or miss. Uh, I wouldn't even say miss. Like some of the characters work better than others. Uh, And I've talked about this a lot. Like the more that you stylize a face, kind of the more expression you get out of it. And there's just something about Benedict Cumberbatch's face that allows it to be more stylized in animation, I think. Like, <laughs> it's a little bit more angular. Uh, there's something, like, like, they were just able to kind of get a lot more expression out of his face. And I thought it worked really, really well for them. Um, I think, I, I would have to go back and rewatch all of them. I think in general, yeah. just the lighting, the backgrounds, everything in this episode, I think this is probably one of the best animated episodes in a series that all of them have had really high quality animation. Um, I think that the Groundhog's Day aspect, you know, so once he, once the accident does happen uh, and we see a kind of, like you said, a very brief sort of beat for beat, we see the apple, we see Dormammu, we see the ancient one die, we get it. And then when he does go back, uh, it's brutal. You, you get yeah. really quickly what's going cool. to happen, but watching it happen is pretty awful. I mean, seeing him try everything he possibly can try is, is really upsetting. Um, uh, one of the fun uh, little mini things that I was like, wow, they're really just connecting it up is that uh, when he doesn't go, when he kind of just ditches Christine, when he, go- yeah. when he ghosts on her and she dies anyway, uh, we see on the news that she died uh, in a fire and the newscaster is uh, Christine Everhart who was from mm-hmm. Iron Man and Iron Man 2. I mean, and they got the actress to come in and do that role, which I'm like, that is, you are really, really going for it. <laughs> I think one of the most, one of the most heartbreaking parts is the final beat when Christine is the one driving. Yes. And he's just sitting in the seat and he's really just like, I, all I want is you. I, was, I watched it a second time and it really just broke me. Christine is sitting there talking and he braces for the impact yep. before yep. it happens. Yep. And that is just like a little animation detail that's really rough is that he's sitting there, he's given up. He knows mm-hmm. that there's nothing he can do. And as he's talking about how all he wants is her, you see him sort of like scrunch up because he knows what's about to happen right before it happens. And that little detail really just punched me right in the gut. Like that, yep. that, was, that was a rough one. Um, and then I will, I will save my absolute point discussion until we get to the next section. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Shannon, what do you think overall about this? Do you agree with Micah in the character animation here? Do you also, uh, uh, with the lighting that Michael was hitting on as well? And how did it affect you to watch everything that was happening? It was happening over and over and over again. Very similar to what Dr. Strange goes through when he's fighting Dormammu at the end of the movie, the multiple ways he dies until Dormammu finally uh, acquiesces. What did you think about all this whole intro to this uh, particular What If episode? 
Yeah, the animated Benedicts, because I because I would throw Benedict Wong in there as well. Um, they Damn. both look they both look great. I mean, they look. I mean, the the animated Benedict Wong, especially, he just has oh, yeah. that 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 frown that Benedict Wong does so well on camera. I don't think they captured sort of the otherworldliness of Tilda Swinton, and I don't feel like mm. they captured sort of the beauty of Rachel McAdams. I, I think that's fair. I think that's oh. fair. Oh, I disagree with you on the Rachel McAdams. I'll go with you on, on, on Clinton. <laughs> when she came out of that door, I was like, Hachi Mama. She's beautiful. All right. All right. But <laughs> like a slight disagree with Vogel here. Like, I think it's more than just the the fact that Christine said she chose not to go with them in the movies. This strange is a different guy. Yeah, he's I mean, nicer. this is this is yeah. a nicer guy. This is yeah. a sweeter guy. Um, this is someone who's a little more in touch with his emotions. And while he certainly has the confidence of the 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 uh, MCU strange that we've already met, he doesn't have that assholeness. It, it, at least that's that's how it appeared to me. Yeah. And when you get to the end now, I know within the films, there's a little is he the sorcerer supreme or is he not like mm. in what if in this episode? They make a very clear uh, uh, statement to say he defeated Dormammu and became the Sorcerer Supreme. And it's like, okay, right. so what was different? Is it because his hands weren't messed up? Is it because he's not as he wasn't as much of a dick that he didn't necessarily have to go through that emotional journey to defeat Dormammu? Um, so I thought that was a really interesting, really interesting uh, uh, choice that they made. Um, the montage was just heartbreaking. This oh. is, again, part of the score that I was talking about. Mm. And once you see that even if it's not a car accident, that it's going to be a heart attack or it's going to be a robber or it's going to be an explosion. I mean, just for whatever reason, Christine Palmer, Christine Palmer in this in this reality has to die. And it was just so, so sad. And yes, hearing Leslie Bibbs, Christine Everhart come back. Leslie Bibb, who uh, played the role in the first two Iron Man films. I mean, she's she's hilarious. Like, obviously, she wasn't hilarious in this because she's in this reality. She's a newscaster versus an in the field journalist. Um, but yes, I mean, she's she's a wonderful addition. And the fact that they were like, hey, we need you to say one line, one or two lines. And the fact that they were able to get her back. Um, also, the animation of the Watcher in this, I think, mm. was some of the prettiest as well. Yeah. Um, like you get those shots like in the night sky. You get that shot of when they shut the door and he's in the reflection. Yeah. Um, yes. Everything about this episode, I just really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All of it. And the way he's starting out, it's almost like they're kind of trying to make you retro care for strange even more by having this version of strange in this what if episode that's a little more nicer a little more like you said shannon in touch with his emotions a little more available to christine their relationship is so much more fulfilling it feels like than we ever got in dr strange even after his conversion in the movie right this one feels a little more lived in and there's genuine affection genuine love for each other or a genuine playfulness with each other that wasn't there in the Doctor Strange movie. So it's an interesting choice to turn him this way for this story. Uh, all right, the Ancient One appears to him at this point after he's done yelling there. He tells her, or uh, she tells him that uh, Christine's death is an absolute point. Uh, Stephen Strange won't accept the truth. He thinks he needs more strength and that there must be more knowledge out there that can help him do it. She warns him that this only leads to darkness and, and tries to stop him because if he does this, it could mean the end of the universe, the end of his world. But he, he, he she tr shoots him with her power, uh, and, and, but he zaps out into another reality and uh, he is, uh, comes face to face with this sorcerer named Obeng, uh, who we find out is uh, probably uh, Cagliostro. But anyway, tells them he is looking for the lost library of uh, Cagliostro, which, of course, if you remember, uh, the book of Cagliostro is what Cassilius used to summon Dormammu and Doctor Strange. Also, the book that he was looking to help him use time with the Eye of Agamotto in the movie there. He is led to a temple with no door uh, as he enters, uh, but then he figures out how to kind of enter. All these symbols light up as he enters on the floor and he falls to a lower area. Obeng walks up again they have an exchange and he leads him to the library of Cagliostro with the lost books and it's a beautiful visual with this incredible tree in the middle and all these books like hanging and everything like that he looks through the books finds a time manipulation book gains he understands he or he reads you can gain power through the absorption of other beings uh, and then he tries to open a portal and what I assume is Shuma Garath appears and every after he asks to share his power one of his tentacles whips him into, or one of its tentacles whips him into a wall. Uh, then uh, he is knocked out. Obeng is helping him recover, and he asks 
if she he asks strange if Christine is worth it and says there's a fine line between devotion and delusion. Love can break more than your heart. It can shatter your mind. And Obeying says life taught him that. That wasn't in any book. Uh, and then we are transporting to to us uh, to Strange, who is now recovered. We go to a Strange who's now recovered, and he is figuring out how to absorb power, starting on a small scale. He takes what I think is a gnome's power. I've seen other people say uh, uh, so, so uh, a dwarf's power. I, I don't that's know. a that's a vampire gnome. That's a vampire gnome <laughs> yeah, yeah, is what right. that is. I, I think your sister would love that section uh, uh, there, the gnome showing up there. A bugs, uh, and then a bug shows up. And the other day he doesn't like bugs, but he takes the cape, which a lot of people think might explain the darker cape that we've seen in the Spider-Man No, Home, no Way Home trailer. Uh, a raven's power, a dragon's power, two-headed ram, a demon, numerous things. The Watcher says he cannot intervene and is actually heard by Strange when he's giving the monologue to us. Strange actually hears him, uh, but then next we go to an elk and assorted other demons over multiple days and nights and then brings uh, Shumagorath back, severs its tentacles, and takes its power. And amongst the demons that came up, I saw some speculation on screen rant, I think, that Sumaket came up, and Sumaket is connected to Namor. So that's an interesting uh, thing to kind of open up for all you nerdy Doctor Strange fans. Shannon, let's stop here. What did you think about all of this, the process of him going against the Ancient One, trying to get more power, and then absorbing it from these other uh, sorcerers against their will. I mean, totally cool sequence. I mean, the first time that we see those tentacles emerge, I was, I was <laughs> half expecting Captain Carter to, to, to flip out and, and push uh, Shumagarath back in the portal. Um, really cool sequence. Like, you get to see sort of the the mirror as he absorbs these, absorbs these other uh, creatures' energy. Uh, yeah. um, you also get... Uh, a, a fun little bit from Obang where he says, you know, these creatures don't bargain. And we know in the movie that at least Dormammu did at one point. Have, so eventually, yeah, yeah. And also Obang, just such a just such a cool design for that character. The different colored eyes. Mm -hmm. Um whoever the voice actor was did did such a really, really good job. Um yeah, the 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 thing that stuck out is that absolute point in time argument. Um, which Vogel will speak on this way better than I can. <laughs> but just the whole idea that the Ancient One is saying, this is an absolute point, this has to happen. It's like, but it doesn't. Because we watched a reality in where it didn't happen. So, uh, again, I feel like this is something that is going to be revisited down the line at some point. But uh, I'll, I'll just turn it over to Vogel, because I imagine he will be able <laughs> to speak uh, uh, longer and more accurately on this than I could. And, and real quick, Ike Amadi is the actor who plays uh, Obeng, in Obeng. The, uh, Obeng in the show, and he's done a number of voiceover uh, projects, including voicing Nick Fury in Marvel Iron Man's uh, VR game back last year. So certainly oh. experience in the Marvel Universe and in Avengers Assemble as M'Baku in the TV series. So the, he's had some experience with Marvel. The, sure. the, the Sorcerer Armani, like the, the, the mean, mirror to the Kaecilius moment, oh, the yeah. Mr. Doctor, so funny. So, you know, really, really a nice moment of levity in this very <laughs> dark episode. For sure. All right, Michael, you got some issues with an absolute point. Well, Take it away. So here is the, and, 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 it, and it didn't, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of this episode. As I said, it's it's still my probably my second favorite episode out of the batch. But here's the issue that I had, and Shannon kind of touches on it, is in general, the idea of an absolute point is fine. If you're going to tell me a story and you're going to say, hey, there's certain things that have to happen uh, and they're always going to happen. You're like, okay, I get that. The first issue, as Shannon points out, is, well, we know it doesn't, it's not a universe, a multiversally universal truth, absolute point, because in our reality, Christine does not die and Doctor Strange still becomes a Sorcerer Supreme because his hands get messed up. So this idea that Christine herself has to die, you're like, okay, well, I guess it's just an absolute point for this universe. And you're like, okay. But then the issue then also comes up that we have been trained from Avengers Endgame through Loki uh, that that's not how time travel works, that that's not how messing with time works. What we And then what if as a series itself is a series that is built on the idea that one tiny change 
creates all of these vast differences. So in a world where we have Avengers going back into time to like pick up Infinity Stones and we know that there is a TVA and we are taught that if you do something different, it creates a variant and it creates a, a different timeline and that we're building that. We're living in a reality where we understand it to be, well, if you do something, maybe you're going to create a branched timeline where Strange never becomes the Sorcerer Supreme and a bunch of bad shit happens. Mm -hmm. But this idea to all of a sudden introduce an absolute point, um, particularly an absolute point that we know is not an absolute point in our world because we've seen Doctor Strange, it, it creates a lot of questions and starts to really muddy the waters. Now, A... They just really wanted to tell this story and they really wanted it to be about Strange's heartache. And so they created the idea of an absolute point for this episode and kind of went, okay, well, let's just go with it. And that's fine. B, they're creating the idea of an absolute point because the idea of absolute points is going to become important in phase four of uh, MCU and beyond. And that'll be interesting to see how they like explain that in comparison to what the TVA does and branched timelines and variants. And then you get into, well, what is an absolute point? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see if this is something that sticks around or if it was just something that they used in this episode. But uh, yeah, like I actually went back and rewatched what Banner said in Endgame about time travel. And then I watched what the ancient one said in Endgame about like branched timelines. I was like, uh, I feel like uh, this, this absolute point is problematic. It's a problematic thing. There are multiple points of views on it, it seems, because Banner says that if we go, he said if we go back in time, it couldn't change the future because the past becomes your right. future. So that kind of fits what Strange experiences in this episode, but you've got multiple points of views, it seems like, about this. So I think that's a fair thing to call the episode out on for sure, and we'll see how they find a way to can make this connection and for those of you who are Doctor Who fans, you know about a fixed point in time. That's something that is prevalent throughout right. the series. And so how it connects up here will be very interesting. Because remember, yeah. there were shades of Doctor Who uh, vibes all through Loki. So I wonder if there's a little bit of kind of maybe borrowing some elements of uh, the Doctor Who stuff, kind of ingratiated into the, or integrated rather, into the MCU. We shall see. But I hear your point. I, be I do believe in an absolute point in a universe now, when you go multiverse, though, you're right. That's where it starts to become like, well, what, how does that affect other things? Does the multiverse getting involved? Where's an absolute point in a multiverse if that actually exists, right? Yeah. And the idea that certain things in and of themselves cannot create a branched timeline. Like, mm -hmm. it's just not going to work. Like, it were, the, the, the timeline is going to reset itself. There's also a discussion, I was reading this online, like, there's a difference between the science of what Tony Stark does to go through the yeah. quantum realm or what the TVA does when they deal with time versus the eye of Agamotto as an infinity stone that actually magically deals with time. So like, there's also like, well, does magic do magic rules work differently than science rules? Mm. So all that, like we could literally break this down. Like the fun part about talking about time travel is there are no answers because it actually doesn't make sense. So <laughs> we could argue it for hours, but yeah, it's 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 it kind of falls into the category of did Cap create a branch timeline to live with Peggy, or did he become was he always Peggy's wife? Like the end of Endgame, which has been debated over and over and over again, and we still yeah. don't actually have an answer for this idea of what is an absolute timeline could fall into that category of people could argue quantum physics and magical rules for days and days and days, and we won't get to it. But all of that being said, that yeah. once you get past the point that I, it was a head scratcher of a moment, accepting it for what it was and using that to tell Strange's story, the rest of it was really, really fascinating and amazing. Um, yeah. And I do think that when they do get to uh, Cagliostro's sort of temple of books, it is so gorgeous. It also made me realize that wizards are not practical in the way that they stack books. Well, not practical I, for a human, but they might. I be was just like, them. right. It just made me laugh. Like I was like, I was like, wow, that's gorgeous. Look at that tree. Look at all those books hanging there. Why would you hang books that high? I just. It just makes no sense to me. Um, but And then I do just need to, I mean, even though Shannon did say how, and you guys both did talk about how amazing it was. Um, you know, in a CG show, when you build something, you have to build the models for everything. And I think one yeah. of the things they did that was really cool and effective was, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 90% sure. Most of the creatures that he summoned 
Um, I think we're just 2D, uh, maybe with some effects around them and stuff, but like it allowed them to really maximize the number of characters that they could create because mm -hmm. you had so many characters in such a brief period of time um, and it was so gorgeous and so effective. And kind of as I was saying in like the early episodes, how they use like 2D effects, like 2D smoke, 2D fire, and yeah. seeing those 2D effects on top of the CG characters and the, uh, and the backgrounds was really, really gorgeous. This was that times a thousand. Like having this kind of CG tune-shaded Doctor Strange summoning things in sort of this cool CG world and having these gorgeous 2D things kind of enveloping him and wrapping around him. Like it was just a sequence that would rival anything you've seen in a feature animated movie. It was that beautiful and that cool to look at. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, Scott Derrickson was on Twitter and posted a picture of Doctor Strange in front of the Sanctum Sanctorum, in front of that window there, and said, this image taken from the comic captures what I always loved about Doctor Strange, a lone and lonely character on a spiritual quest, never fully overcoming himself, but always trying, capable of confronting any darkness. And when Alicia Grasso, who is the features editor over at Screen Rant, responded back to that tweet, uh, telling him, have you seen the latest episode of What If?, uh, and, and what have you, he said, I saw an early cut of it and thought it was terrific. So I think him posting that picture, which kind of rivals where where we find Doctor Strange earlier in this episode with the rain and the two-year anniversary of Christine's death, it is that. This is what makes him such a compelling character. And really all the superheroes, right, they all seem to have some kind of tragedy behind the heroism. It, with Strange, it is there now right in front of us in this episode and we see him occasionally in the movie, as, as Scott Derrickson uh, pointed out, with that picture where he finds those moments where Strange is alone looking out, seeing everything because he is charged with so much responsibility as the main sorcerer of the realm and now the sorcerer supreme himself, which seems to have been uh, officially said here in the MCU. Uh, all right, let's move into the next section of the show. I think this is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is going to be a long one. So here we go. Strange walks into a room with Bobang dying. Um, yeah, he, he's apparently gotten way older because Strange has been down there absorbing creatures uh, stuff for quite some time or sorcerer stuff for quite some time. He says, you used, you used the magic to remain frozen for centuries. Uh, he says, I, I, I refuse to let you die. Obang says, uh, that's the problem. You can't accept it. He says he knows and that maybe the other Strange will be able to accept that eventually people do die and the watcher then steps in and informs us that there is another strange there is another skywalker we go back to wong and stephen strange who puts down the eye of agama we go back to wong and another stephen strange or that stephen strange back to that timeline and back to that section where he's in front of the sanctum sanctorum he puts down the eye of agamotto says it's time enough time uh, he spent enough time living in the past, time to move forward, and goes to have tea with Wong. He walks out of the Sanctorum to see the Ancient One appear to him as a psychic impression or echo. She tells him that she split him into two parts, so two possible timelines could occur in the same at the same time. Uh, he says it's probably not the smart move, and she says, no, it's probably super dangerous. And she tells him that he has to stop the other strange from reversing this absolute point. Wong and him are talking. He's asking if he wants to stop, if he actually wants to stop this strange, or does he want to let him complete his mission? Because that could affect how he fights him. Then Wong gives him a heavy-duty protection spell. Steven is taken to a room surrounded by this red magical circle. The evil strange appears, and this is badass. He tells him how much they loved Christine and needed her. He grabs him and takes him back to that point in time of her death there next to the car and the accident, and he literally has a battle with himself grief versus acceptance is what i put here the two capes battling was a fun highlight the red cap the red cape eventually distracts the evil one evil dr strange steven launches a shot at him it looks like he might have won when he is taken from the ground from behind and brought back to a memory with christine she's being used to trick him but he doesn't buy it which leads them to battling in the air he remo uh, the evil strange removes wong's protection spell and consumes him using the eye of agamotto and we get a beautiful sequence of him bringing christine back to life but he is a demon with all these different uh, uh, uh looks on his face uh, uh whatever that is and she is frightened of him runs away from her and they are being and she's about to fall off this cliff they're taken up into the air he tries to fight off the end of the world the Watcher appears, and he will not help Stephen, much to Stephen's chagrin. He's begging him, and he leaves him with a final lesson. Messing with time and events leads to destruction. And I wrote, is there anything weaker than someone saying, I didn't mean for this to happen? He loses Christine all over again, and the Watcher says, one life, one choice, one moment can destroy an entire universe. 
Michael, um, that line resonated with me a lot considering what we've experienced as a country and as a world over the past week. Uh, and there's just something about this whole ending here, battling grief versus acceptance, battling against science, battling against what's actually happening, being afraid to move on, being unable to move on, being desperate not to move on, wanting to turn back the hands of time to live in a world that you thought that you wanted to be in, uh, but that doesn't exist anymore. What did you think about this whole way of ending this particular episode and all that happened between the two strangers? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that before we get back to the other stuff, I think that yep. to your point, um, that's what that's what the people who really like this episode are liking about it. I think that mm -hmm. there was a there was a belief that some people had that, oh, you know, ultimately, like the good strange is going to win out or we're going to see how this ends. And like having the episode end with like, no, nope, universe is fucked. Yeah, that universe, that universe is yeah. is gone. You uh, indulged in it. There's no way out now. Yeah, like you can't like there's no going back. Like I think yeah. that. That choosing to end on that note, uh, I think was really, really interesting. Um, I also think it's interesting the whole idea that the ancient ones split strange into two. Um, yeah. kind of to your point at the beginning, what, what the way you pronounce it is hemispherectomy. Okay. Uh, that Dr. Strange was, uh, that Dr. Strange was giving the speech about. Oh, and the only geez. reason, and the reason that I bring it up is because what a hemispherectomy is, uh, is when you separate the two hemispheres of the brain um it's like a rare treatment that you do to deal with someone who has epilepsy um is what i read but the idea that he's doing a hemispherectomy where he split the two hemispheres in the brain and later we find out the ancient one has literally split him in two living these parallel lives kind of a la sliding doors i thought was uh was like a really interesting nod i also think and i'm not the only one who thinks this that this idea of splitting into two timelines or living two lives at the same time is very much potentially what we may see in No Way Home a little yeah. bit, just based on some of the things that Strange says in that trailer to Peter. Uh, there definitely seems to be some overlap with what the Ancient One does here and what's going on in Peter's life, which leads to all of the multiversal craziness. So again, we could all be completely uh, just Mephistoing <laughs> it up over here and we're gonna get to No Way Home and be like, nope, wasn't that at all, totally cool. And if it is, that's fine. But uh, you can't help but see the similarities here in what we think we're going to be seeing in No Way Home. Um, the Doctor Strange on Strange battle, Oof. amazing. I mean, again, uh, just a tour de force of animation, like the two of them fighting each other. Uh, you, you know, you had mentioned it. Red magic is being used a lot in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and as we all discuss ad nauseum with Marvel, like the colors of magic seem to be pretty important. Um, and red is definitely chaos magic. Uh, it's definitely the reality warping stone. It is definitely Scarlet Witch's power. Yeah, uh, right. And so the fact that the evil strange is sort of whipping up some red magic, I think, is definitely something of note. Um, cape on cape battle, here for it. <laughs> poor, poor red cape screaming when it dies, not here for it. Makes yeah, me real, true. real sad. Love yeah. that little guy. He's right up there with the magic carpet in Aladdin for me. And I'm real, real sad to see him go. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, I think that when, when, you know, when the evil strange does win, uh, I saw a lot of people making some interesting comparisons online. One being that the way that reality is falling apart uh, in this universe, very reminiscent both of uh, the way that reality kind of falls apart in WandaVision when her TV mm. reality falls apart. If you right. go back, look, there's visually, there's a lot of similarities there. Also, there's a lot of similarities uh, with the snap and the way that people mm, sort yeah. of disappeared, except that, and I don't think this is intentional, but I saw somebody on Twitter, uh, uh, I, I wrote down their name, I forget who it was. I think it was, um, oh, I can't find him to give them credit, but okay. they said a really interesting thing that uh, in, the, in reality, the snap kind of turns you to dust, but because yeah. this is an animated universe, everybody looked like they were turning into ink. Uh, which I don't think was intentional, but I really thought that was a cool, if that was intentional, I'm like, that's really, really, really cool. Um, and then also just the way that Christine does sort of ultimately disappear with her face going last, very much the way that Vision disappears at the end of WandaVision, yep. which is also a show about loss, a show about grief, a show about yep. letting someone go. Wanda ultimately does get to the point where she willingly lets Vision go. Uh, to avoid reality falling apart, and uh, this version of Doctor Strange, not so much. No. Um, I really like what the Watcher says. Like to your point, I love that Doctor Strange is the one character that actually can kind of hear the Watcher. Yeah, that can hear those really. strange, those other things going on, which I thought was really really cool. 
And I love the watcher saying that if he could help, he would, but he's just supposed to watch. And he also says this interesting thing of like helping, um, helping one universe at the expense of helping all. Like it really does sort of seem like a big, um, a big signal to what we already all assume Mm -hmm. is going to happen, which is there's going, all of these characters that we're seeing in these individual episodes probably are coming together Mm -hmm. in the finale in some way. Um, And then I love that that this version of Dr. Strange did sort of create his own little pocket mirror verse uh, to protect himself, which I assume is all he's got left because there's no universe around it. So, you know, kind of using the idea of the mirror verse in that final moment to kind of be like, wow, you are just in this bubble and there's nothing yeah. anywhere because of what you did. Like, whew, it's a rough and way to go, end, buddy. And in the end, you lose Christine anyway. Like, and then in the, the end, end, you, you lose, lose Christine, Christine anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what was the point of it all to indulge in this desperate desire uh, to not accept the truth? Yeah, the reality of the situation. Yeah. Shannon, what did you think about all this? So many emotional beats here. Some some great fight sequences. Also, I don't know if you if you guys had this. Like when he showed up and when she shows back up, after that fantastically beautiful way that she's brought together and that white light and the way she looked, he looks almost like a demon, like Mephisto, like Gargoyle from uh, Greg yeah. Weissman's show a little bit. I thought that was a nice, interesting to see it in silhouette. What did you think about all of the sequences that happened here to end this episode, Chen? Well, I definitely think Benedict Wong should do books on tape <laughs> because that guy has such a great voice. And as he was sort of fading from reality and you see his face again, is the last thing to go. Um, this, oh, yeah. you know, this is a sorcerer who is one hundred percent content with what is going to happen. He's like, right. it does not matter. I cannot fight against this. I'm going to protect my friend as much as I can. I love the design choice of putting those um, runes, I guess, all yeah. over uh, Strange's face. Um, so so cool. The wizard on wizard battle was mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, the gravelly quality that Benedict. Uh, Cumberbatch gave his voice when he was playing sort of the Dark Strange. I mean, he had some technical assistance at points, but there are other times where it is just him. He's just kind of dropping into his lower register. Um, Super, super cool. I mean, and with the, with I guess I'll call him the Light Strange, I mean, this is a guy who's outgunned. I mean, he, he does not have the power that the Dark Strange has, which is why he has all those protection spells. But even at one point, even though he doesn't have the power, they resort to fisticuffs. Like, they're literally yeah. just slugging it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just when he's getting punched, his protection spells are flying off. And not that we ever had any doubt where the original Strange was going in this, but, you know, mm-hmm. good guys don't shoot light out of their mouths. <laughs> I mean, the moment he did that, it's like, it's okay. Good, so yeah. It's a good rule of thumb, just in life. Yeah. 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 It's not eyes. It's not eyes. It's the mouth. <laughs> so as that as that battle kind you know does kind of finish up, um, there was a part of me that thought Light Strange was going to pull it off. That the Watcher yeah. was going to interfere, but it didn't. I mean, sometimes sometimes bad guys. Nope. Sometimes yeah. bad guys win, yes. and, and that's that's reality. Is like things don't always work out the way you want it to, and when he is able to bring. Christine back and you see this creature that he has become because he's absorbed so many different things. Um, Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And as he creates his little mirror dimension and he's asking the watcher for help and the watchers like, I wish, I wish I could save her and punish you. Mm -hmm. He's like, but that's not the way it works. And so you just get this sort of little mirror gem with a, an unhappy, creature Doctor Strange floating around in just sort of this vast, inky wasteness that is this universe. I mean, it it, it ends on such a downer. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was such a good, like, it was such a complete story that was told. And, you know, in the credits, uh, you know, there's, thus far, there's no post-credit sequences. So I'm usually pretty quick to turn them off. I let them play this time Mm. just to look at some of that concept art. Yeah. And so much of it is just gorgeous. I mean, especially, especially sort of Dark Strange's final form. I mean, just really, really impressive work. Yeah, I would would take some of this concept art, particularly that image that Johnny pointed out, you know, where that shot of him sitting in his chair in front Mm. of his giant window at the Sanctum Mm. Santorum. Um, and I, I would frame that. I mean, it is so, yeah. so beautiful. I would put it all up. Yeah, I agree. And that's um, that appealed to me on so many levels because I just love I love that look. 
and I'd love to have a Sanctum Santorum myself. Um, one we, thing all, that- we all know you want. We all know you want a Sanctum Santorum. <laughs> I'm happy. You should to tell that. everybody. You should tell everybody about your suspension chamber that you told me in college oh. that you were going to have when you were an old man. That's your Sanctum Santorum. <laughs> suspension chamber is beautiful, man. I still want that. Um, one thing to throw in here, Obang. It's really interesting. I've seen some people be like, "Well, why would Obang let Doctor Strange do this?" Well, in the comics. Obeng is an adversary of Doctor Strange. So the fact that this Doctor Strange is accessing the more demonic, the more evil side of wizardry makes sense since he's an adversary to the light strange. He would allow the dark strange to go down this path and do the things that he's doing. So we initially think he's kind of a guy and he seems like a, a cool dude, but actually in the comics he is and he is Cogliostro in the comics as well. I was going to so, say, yeah. Yeah, so it's all connected yeah. here in the way it plays out. So this could be some hints of a possible of live action version of this source that we see coming well, down the road, but he is an adversary. So that's why he allowed Doc, Doc, and, the dark doctor strange to be there. Yeah. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. And fun fact. Well, and fun fact for everybody, like Cagliostro is yeah. a real person. Like yes. Cagliostro was actually a dude who lived back yeah. in, I believe like the 1700s who went around telling everybody that he had magic powers and that he had ties to the occult mm-hmm. and to the, uh, the other realms. And ultimately was kind of called out for being like a charlatan and a quack, but sort of over throughout history, his name and his magical uh, abilities have sort of gone into like rumor and myth and legend. And so that's how he ended up as a Doctor Strange comic book character who, yeah, to John's point is also known goes by Obang. So if you go under the assumption that Obang is actually Cagliostro in his library uh, and Cagliostro spent his entire life trying to uh, master time and master these absolute uh, points in time, um, it would make sense that if a Sorcerer Supreme showed up and said, hey, I want to try and take what you've done and continue Mm. doing it, he'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, go to town, have fun. Especially one who was anointed by the Ancient One to be the next Sorcerer Supreme in that realm. Yeah, why not use that power for your own uh, particular uh, usage as well? Uh, I mean, that look, I I don't know. I kind of want to say this, and I don't want to say this. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for it or not. But, like, to me, that moment where Strange at the end is, like, negotiating, it reminds me so much of these people who are so anti-vaccination, and they are making videos as they're in the hospital saying, I was wrong. You've got to take these things. I was wrong. There's and they die, and there's no way back. Just like Watcher said, I can't help you. You know, nothing can help you. You've made this decision, and this is the end result. And so, for me, it just struck me in that way. I'm not trying to be political. It just struck me in that way uh, when you look at we've, well, a number of those videos that have come out over the last few months. You know, people who are so against it, regular human, be- regular working class folks, and seeing them make those videos, going, I was wrong. You know, and it well, struck me. As strange was like saying that at the end, like, please, you got to help me. I didn't know it would lead to this. And yeah, it's the sad truth. Yeah, I mean, look, it is like this episode very much is in the we like to see lots of there. And we have lots of stories that kind of say it's never too late to change. Right. Uh, exactly. And, and, in a, and in a lot of ways in life, that is true. There's certain yeah. things in life that uh, it's never too late to change. Right. Sometimes, whether it is not getting vaccinated and then getting covid or. Uh, you know, absorbing a bunch of magical creatures and then having light come out of your mouth. There's certain <laughs> things that you can't take back. And that's what this story is about. Right. True. True. But but the overall story is about grief and acceptance. Yeah. Right. And I think this is for anyone who's gone through grief and lost a loved one. This this episode will speak volumes to you as you grapple with what the past you could go or the path you could walk if you don't you know, if you don't go through the process of accepting the loss versus constantly staying, because he says you're stuck in the state, you're essentially stuck in a time loop. If you never get out of the grief of it, it is just repeating over and over again, reliving the loss over and over and over again, uh, whether it's actually happening in a different timeline uh, or not, you're reliving it if you don't accept it eventually and move on. So yeah, really powerful stuff. Uh, Any final words? Are we good to wrap up? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. for. Did you say something, Mike? Were you going to say something? Well, the only thing that I the only thing that I was going to say is, I mean, I do think it's kind of neat that like with each of these episodes, we're sort of left with, you know, we know that at the end of the first episode, Captain Carter ended up in modern day with Nick Fury and Hawkeye. And in the second episode, uh, T'Challa is reunited with his family, but Kurt Russell shows up to pick up Peter Quill, which 
is not good. Uh, and then at the end of the third episode, Loki has taken over and, you know, Fury's got Cap coming out of ice and Captain Marvel there. And now we have evil Doctor Strange floating around. So they yeah. vary. I mean, we don't have post credit sequences in What If, but we do have at the end of each episode yeah. a pretty big indicator that like, well... We didn't wrap this up completely. And so I think as we see the next few episodes come out, it's going to be really interesting to see because I think sooner... How many episodes do we have total? Do we know? 12. It, Let me uh, see. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Pretty soon. I mean, we're going to get a couple more of these where we get the... Uh, okay, well, here's how, this, here's how this universe ended up that's Sorry. not completely resolved. There's nine. There's nine. Nine. Yeah, so ahead. what? We have four at four. So I think no. five, six, seven... Uh, we'll have five, six, seven, where we kind of get a kind of, okay, well, here's what's going on. And then eight and nine, I'm assuming are going to be a big epic finale where, uh, we're going to see a lot of these characters together. Yeah. Yeah. We shall see. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for watching this, uh, spoiler review episode of what if episode four of, uh, uh, of the show. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you all so much. If you've downloaded on the podcast feed, thank you very much for doing that as well. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, look, sometimes in life you make choices and you can't take them back. And it's real bad. One of those things, if you don't help us out it could be real bad for you i don't i don't want to say what'll happen but it could be real bad uh so light, out of, light out of mouth bad light out of light out of mouth bad um but if you would like to help us out uh, a couple of things that you guys can do you can smash the like button below you can subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page definitely leave comments what did we miss in this episode what are some of the easter eggs what do you think about absolute points and splitting timelines do you think we're going to see this stuff in no way home do you think we're not like let us know below um if you're listening to us on apple podcasts or spotify or anywhere where podcasts are available uh leave us some stars leave us some comments it helps us go up in the rankings and as always uh retweet this video post it on your socials tell everybody that this is the geekiest most fun place to hang out and everybody should come hang out with us and be our buddies <laughs> there you go all right couldn't have said all that better myself thank you all so much for joining us and uh we'll talk to you next time on another brand new spoiler review episode of what if here on the geek buddies Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.